we're having to deal with them inside and out, as we've already talked about. We've talked about, on Friday night, things that are out in the world that Satan is using as great tools to try to rob us of the firm foundation upon which we stand, and that is our faith. And he's using these things in the world that are so popular to try to warp our thinking and allow the societal culture to distort the way that we see even God's will as we sojourn here upon this earth. And last night, even we talked about, there are times that even in the brotherhood, brethren want to have their cake and eat it too when it comes to the societal culture that's present within our world today. And they, they find themselves ways to get around doing exactly what the will of God is on each and every subject. So as Christians, we want to be very mindful of who we are and where we're going and who we need to be along the way. That's a statement that I use a lot. But I think it's very important to always keep that on my mind. And I think it's good for all of us because it keeps us tuned in to what God's will is for us as we're here. As we continue to think about these topics, living in this world of cultural acceptance and trying to remain godly, let me pose you uh, a couple of things. What if next week one of the elders gets up here? Now, I'm just using you guys as my illustration, all right? One of the elders walks up here and says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn the oversight over to Austin. And, and Austin is, uh, now Austin's looking at me like, oh, man, what are you talking about? Well, let's just say they do that. We're going to turn the oversight of this local church over to Austin. And we're going to set him up as like a one-man pastor system. How many people in this room would agree with that this morning? All of you would be like, oh, no, no, we can't do that. At least I think most of you would. Because you're going to turn in your Bibles to the passages that speak of elders overseeing local churches, shepherding the flock, and those men, qualified men, who meet the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. You're going to say, well, that's not God's pattern. That's not how we are to function as a local church. We can't do that. And Austin would agree. And I'd agree with him, too. I wouldn't want to be put in that position myself. In the same way, what if one Sunday morning, Austin gets up here. He says, well, let me tell you what's going to happen today. Today, Olivia is going to preach the sermon this morning. Olivia is thinking, what in the world are we doing now? Well, let's just say that that was posed from the pulpit. And I know that neither Austin nor Olivia want to do that in reality. But let's just say that happened. What would you say? Well, most people in this room this morning would open their Bibles and they would turn to 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and you'd say, well, no, that, that can't be because that's not God's will. That's not God's pattern when it comes to public presentation when men and women Christians are present together. And I don't think there's anyone here this morning that would argue that. What about other passages of Scripture as well? If those things are true and must be abided by according to the pattern, are not all things that are according to the pattern just as important? What do you think about the roles that, that we have given to us by our God? In today's society, the culture in which we live in has done a very effective job with Satan as its designer for the culture to rob away these roles in the, the eyes of people in the world and even those among the Lord's church and, and to be able to see that these things are no longer important anymore. But there again, just as the things that we've talked about in regard to the organization of the church 
and the public presentation of truth is just as important now. Why are not these things just as important as later? Open your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Paul's writing to Titus, and he's giving him some encouragement here. He's exhorting him to do his work as an evangelist there in Crete. And here's some things that he has to say in regard to his work. Let's just begin in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, and love and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. What I want to pull out of this text at this hour is what Paul tells Titus to teach the older women to do. And if he's telling the older women to teach the younger women to do these things, then it has to be by necessity that the older women are already doing these things. They must be living these things by example if they're going to teach these things. To, to others if they need to practice them. And he tells them to love their husbands, to love their children, to be homemakers. In our society today, that's almost a dirty word. You pose that to a, to a woman in society and, and she says, you want me to do what? Oh, no, what are you talking about? That's, that's, we can't do that. And women are maligned for identifying themselves as being a homemaker. They're looked down upon and they're scoffed at and they're called weak. And they're told they need to get up out of that bondage that they're living in and rise up and do something better and do something greater. And that comes out of the world all the time. And unfortunately, I hear it coming from the mouths of Christians from time to time, and I'm very sad about that. Because I read here in Titus chapter 2 that it's something that God desires. Just as God desires that one must believe and be baptized to be saved. If that one scripture is important, then this scripture is equally important, isn't it? Consistency, you see, is a very important thing when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus. And ladies, I just want to talk to us this morning, and men too, about the importance of rising up to the role that God has given you. And that is, first and foremost, primarily, being these homemakers we read about here in Titus chapter 2. Here in Titus chapter 2 in verse 5, where we do find this text, let's talk about the text in its context just as we begin this morning. And let's just say, now what is a homemaker? What does that mean? Well, first of all, let's look at some sources on the original language, if you will. Uh, let me apologize, first of all. Last night, it was pointed out to me that I had failed to put my references on the definitions that I gave. And that was my fault in doing that. I usually do that, like I did on Friday night with my articles that I picked out on gender neutrality. And that was my mistake. But uh, I want to let you know that those definitions came from Joseph Thayer's Greek lexicon and from Strong's Concordance because they correspond together. I think I told someone last night I'd use Vines, but it was Thayer and Strong. So if you want to go back and back those up, that's where those came from. I apologize for that. Uh, I do have those references here. Thayer here speaks of Titus 2 in verse 5, speaking of that word of being a homemaker. 
there himself says, based on the original language, it means keeping at home or taking care of household affairs. That's what he says when he desires these older women who should have been these themselves to be teaching the younger women to be keeping at home, taking care of those household affairs. That was a very important thing to the Lord. Well, Strong's, in his reference to that, says that it means a stayer at home, someone who is domestically inclined, a good housekeeper. They're again keeping at home. And as we go through these definitions, ladies, please don't look at this as if some kind of curse. Well, I'm baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. Do I rise out of the water and say, well, this must be some kind of curse? This is what God taught me to do. This, must be, this should be a wonderful thing. And anything that I transform myself into through the will of God is not a curse. It's a blessing. A wonderful blessing. Kenneth West in his word studies, referring to this word, said it means caring for the house or working at home. In my opinion, these are three very good sources on the original language. I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar, but these, pe these people are and were. And when I look to them and, and, and I look to them and I see what they say about the original word there and what it means, we can see here they're all consistent in what that word does mean. A keeper at home. One who is domestically inclined, who cares about the things that are going on in the household affairs. Homemaker. Well, let's take that a little farther, and let's just look at some other translations of the Scripture that can also help us to understand what this word means and understand the role itself. Pull up a few of those here. The old American Standard Version, which reads very well. It just has some of your old language with it, too, but it uses the term workers at home instead of homemaker. The New American Standard uses the same as the ASV. It's just the more modern version of that. Also says workers at home. The NIV says busy at home for the term homemaker. The ESV, working at home itself. The Old King James Version, keeper at home. And the Amplified. Have anybody ever read from the Amplified? I don't recommend that you read from it just constantly as your regular reference. But sometimes if you go back and reference the Amplified Version, in the parentheses of what it gives, it gives a pretty good definition of things at times. And I think he gets it pretty well here. Makers of the home where God is honored. I like that. Because if someone is doing exactly what God has called and asked them to do, then who's being honored when they carry out that duty? God's always honored. So when you look to the different translations, you can see what we're talking about here. What's the role that the woman who is a Christian has been given? Well, it's obviously someone who's working at home. It's obviously someone who's busy there within keeping that home, making sure it is as it should be. It's a place that's managed. There's a home that's being made, and that's not just being there and existing. That takes some activity, as we're going to see as we go forward. But please understand, the role, when it is taken up and lived out to the best of your ability, it's a place where God is honored. So now that we understand the role and the meaning of the word that we're taking there in the context, let's move to talk about what the context does in shedding light on the importance of this role. It's a part of being sound in the faith. If you're there in Titus, go back with me to chapter 1 and just look at verse 13 with me. Titus chapter 1 and verse 13. He's writing in regard to dealing with some false teachers there in Crete. And what he's telling is that the elders there of the local church, 
they're going to have to do some things. They're going to have to rebuke some false teachers at times. This testimony is true, verse 13. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. Titus may have to do some of this rebuking too, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. So being sound in the faith is sound in regard to everything that has been revealed by way of the gospel. Sometimes the faith, those terms that are used, refers to the gospel. As Jude in verse 3 uses that same statement, to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered. The faith can be read as the gospel. So whatever the gospel teaches, we are to contend earnestly for, and let no one come along and deceive you and to turn you away from the faith and what it teaches. Why? Because we must hold on to that to be sound in the faith. What is sound is good, isn't it? What is sound is healthy. We need to be sound in the faith. It's part of following sound doctrine. Look at chapter 2 and verse 1 again. He tells Titus, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. What's that word doctrine mean? It just means teaching. Teach them these things so they can follow sound teaching. If they're following sound teaching, they're going to be following the truth. They'll be following the gospel. They'll be following the things that God has revealed from heaven that if they take up those things and live them out to the best of their ability, God will be glorified. Those things are important. And to the woman here in taking up this role, it's a part of loving her husband and her children. Isn't that what he said in chapter 2 and verse 4 that we've already read? That part of loving your husband and loving your children is being a maker in the home. Making sure that home is what it should be. God says that's part of your role as a disciple, as a female here upon this earth. If you're going to get married and bring children into the world, then part of your role is to be a homemaker. In being a homemaker, you're loving your husband and your children as God has asked you to according to his design. If not, then why not? When we read those passages, I can't get anywhere else with that. And look at chapter 2 and verse 5 again. If everyone that's listed in this text, older men, older women, younger men, younger women, if they follow the sound doctrine that Titus is going to be teaching and they live these things out to the best of their ability, even the young women, if they would just follow what the older women are supposed to be teaching them in word and in example, it will prevent what? it will prevent the word of God from being blasphemed. That is, those on the outside can't look into us and see us and say, well, your Bible says that you should be doing this, but I don't see any of you doing it, and they speak evil of our God and his will. That's what inconsistency does, you see. It's one thing for us to walk around telling people, hey, you know what, you need to repent and be baptized. That's what the Bible says. Let me read it to you. But the Bible says a whole lot of other things, too. And if we're not doing those other things that the Bible teaches, people look at us and they look at our Bibles and they say, you're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. If not, then why not? You're going to hear me say that a lot. But it's a question that must be asked, isn't it? What the older women should be teaching the younger. Let me stop right there and make a point. I have failed to see this enough in my time as a Christian that we have older ladies who are sound in the faith, have been faithful for all of these years. And you have these younger ladies that come along who need help, who need to be taught, who need that example, 
And what I've seen, and not only older women, but older men too, is that we take a back seat and we step back and say, well, our work is done. We're going to sit back and we're going to retire now. We're going to leave this to someone else. But I don't read that Titus said that there was a retirement period in regard to this. We needed some older women who were sound in the faith to teach younger women to be sound in the faith. I can't teach them what you can teach them. Older men can't teach them what you can teach them. You teach them by design in an example that can't be seen in anyone else. It certainly can't be seen in me because I haven't walked in your shoes as an older woman. And certainly not a younger woman. She hasn't walked in those shoes either. But at the same time, we just have to remember there may be things that we can no longer do in our older age. Maybe not to the the depths that we used to, but we can still do what the Bible says. And I think it's imperative that we understand that we do this according to the way that the Holy Spirit has revealed because that is always the most effective way. Let's not let down our guard. So there again, we've seen what the role is according to how those who defined the original language defined it. We see what it is when we look at the different translations. We understand the role by looking at the context. Now, furthermore, let's look at exactly what's involved. What's involved in being a homemaker? Well, first of all, it's more than just staying in the house. It's not about just sitting in the house and watching your favorite TV shows. That's not what we're talking about, is it? No, it's not. I, mean, I think we all understand that. We're talking about a role in the home that involves constant work and activity. I have three children at home. And after my first child was born, I decided that the best thing that needed to happen was my wife needed to be in the home with that child. Because that's what I read in the scripture. We started out with my mother-in-law keeping my son when he was a baby. And the more I read my Bible and the more I thought about how I wanted to be a disciple as the Lord called for me to be a disciple, I thought, you know what? It's not my mother-in-law's responsibility to raise my son. It's mine and my wife's. And God's calling for her to be in the home to do that. We well, you know what? She was working a job too. She was getting a paycheck that was helping us pay our bills. But you know what they called for Jason to do? That called for Jason to make some decisions. You know what? Maybe we need to cut away some things that we don't really need. If we cut back on some things that we don't really need, you know what? We can save some money, and you can stay at home. You know what else Jason did? He picked up another job to help support the one that he already had to make up the difference. Why? Because I wanted to do God's will to the best of my ability in my home. And I made cuts, and we made sacrifices. But you know, we look back on that today, and we haven't regretted it one time. Because now there's three kids in the home. And my home has been so much better. And she's always doing something in the home. She's always managing things. She's always making sure that this one's got somewhere to go, and this one has somewhere to go. This needs to be done, and that needs to be done. And it's a full-time job. But you know what those kids know? Those kids in my home know that they are loved beyond the shadow of a doubt. They know that every time they need affection, every time they need attention, that mama's always there and she's going to provide it. And she'll drop whatever she has to do to be able to provide that. Because you know what? <laughs> That's what God will ask for, isn't it? 
Always something going on, caring for the family as we just talked about. Utmost attention given. She's not distracted by something else. And there again, it was my responsibility to make sure that she wasn't distracted by something else. I realize there are going to be some times where both people need to be working, husband and wife, to make ends meet. I realize it may be that something's happened that caused us to get in a hole, and we have to do that. But listen, we should always be striving to meet God's desire, prayerfully working toward that day. Maybe you can't do it right now, but it should be in my view up ahead. And let me examine my lifestyle. Am I doing things? I mean, have I got, have I got this subscription and that subscription? Am I involved in this and this and this? And all this is doing is keeping my focus on worldly things. Are there some worldly things I can cut out of my life and save some money and keep my wife at home? Probably so. I found out that there was, that there were a lot of things that I could save on. Then she can be there to give that utmost attention to her husband and to her children. Because I'm going to tell you, I need my wife. I can't do what I do without her. She is the primary motivating factor in the work that I do here upon this earth as far as human beings are concerned. Uh, the Lord is the most motivating factor, but as far as human beings are concerned, my wife is. And I go to her and I talk with her about things that are going on and things that I'm having to deal with and she helps me and she's there when I need her. And what a blessing that is. And it's worth every sacrifice that I've had to make all throughout my married life. There's also a lot of work involved in being a homemaker. There's a lot of work. It's a full-time job itself. It is a full-time job. There's the obvious things, right? I mean, those are obvious. That always has to go on in a home, right? My wife washes clothes. Our washing machine never stops. I'm, I'm being serious. It's running all the time. There's five of us in the house. We've got three kids. Clothes are always dirty. Meals are always having to be fixed. You know, there's always something going on. She's always busy. But these are the things that most people think about when you think about a homemaker. But there again, what about those times when your child comes home and has had a bad day at school? Maybe someone has given them a hard time, made fun of them because they're, they're a Christian. Maybe they give them a hard time because they don't do the things or wear the things or talk like the rest of the kids do and they come home and they're just down and out. Who do they want to talk to first and foremost? Do they not want to talk to mama? Can't mama fix that more than anyone else can? Yes, she can. Because God made her that way. God made her to provide that affection and that attention and that nurture and that care that a man wasn't designed to. Now, there's some areas where we have some of that, guys, but it's not like mama. And when she's there and she's in that place, the nurturing effect is always going to be there. That loving care and assurance that everything is going to be okay is there as well, along with everything else that she's doing at the same time. What's involved in being a homemaker? There's a whole lot involved in being a homemaker. Isn't there? Well, let's talk about what's not involved. What's not involved in, in this God-given role that the woman's given? Well, insignificance is certainly not involved. Oh, well, Satan wants you to believe that. 
the world wants you to believe that. You, you're a what? You mean you, you stay home? Whoa. How demeaning that must be. I can't believe you let your husband talk you into something like that. There's no insignificance in this role. As a matter of fact, this is the most important role she will ever fill. The most important role. Why? Because it's one that God has designed. If I step out of myself and step out into the world and say, you know what, I don't care what the world wants. I don't care what the world's design is. All I care about is God's design and me living up to that. Do you know what's going to happen? I'm going to step into the most important role that I will ever be in. And ladies, it's no important, no less important when it comes to your role. It is the most important because there again, when you're in this role and doing the best you can in this role, who's being glorified? God is. You may not be in the world and in this life, but God is being glorified, and that's all that matters to the Christian, isn't it? That's all that matters. It also doesn't mean there's, ever going, to, there's never going to be any work outside the home. There's going to be opportunities for that. The kids can get older and go to school, and if you need something else to make ends meet, you would probably have some time to go out and pick up something else and still be back home. And time to be there with your kids. Yeah, I mean, your kids one day are going to marry and move away. You're not going to have as much to do one day. And maybe you can pick up something different, do something different then. It doesn't mean you can never, ever do anything else. But however, it does mean that such should never hinder your God-given role. What I see today is, unfortunately, is that the world has convinced ladies that they need to have a career. And it needs to be the, you know, this grand thing and you know, being inside the home is a demeaning thing. And you need to put that aside. You need to find you a nanny or you need to find you someone to raise your kids so you can go out and you can, you can have this career. What happens when you're striving to have a career in the world? What gets put aside? God's role gets put aside. It hinders that, doesn't it? What we're talking about is the time that it needs to be lived up to and to be filled. Maybe you're endeavoring for something else, and then your God-given role is being hindered, and someone else is having to do it. And can they do it as effectively as you can? No. Can I be a mother to my children as well as my wife can? No. I'm not a mother. Nor can she be a father to my children as I can because she's not a father. Last time I looked in the mirror, she and I were very different. God made us that way. Fellas, it also doesn't mean there's no help from us or the kids. You know the guys, they treat their wife like she's the dog out on the chain. Fix me something to eat, woman. Why aren't my clothes clean, woman? Is that what we're talking about here? If you think that's the case, you've misunderstood me. That's exactly the opposite of what we're talking about. It certainly doesn't mean that, that, that she doesn't need my help. And let me tell you, she does need my help. Just because her primary role is in the home, making a home, and being there and being about the household activity, making sure the house is managed, doesn't mean that I don't do my part within the home myself. Remember I told you my washing machine runs all the time. 
all the time. That means there's always clothes being clean and dried and needed to be put away. Do you know what I find? Just about every day when I walk into my bedroom laying on my bed, here's my pile of clothes. You know what that means? That means Jason needs to take his clothes, fold them up, and put them away where they go. Can I not do that? Well, I'd better be able to do that. And guess what's in my kids' rooms every day on their beds? Their clothes that they need to put away and take care of because she's got her hands full already. Guess what else we can do after we all eat a meal that she's prepared for us? We can help clean up the kitchen and put things away. She's been working all day too. Is it me that needs to go in there and sit down and kick back in the recliner? Well, then clean up that kitchen. Then bring me some coffee when you're through. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a husband and a wife working together to help one another fulfill their God-given role. And we need to be encouraging our children to get involved as well. Even with our help, she still has more than enough to do. Furthermore, let's talk about some things that hinder. What are some things that can hinder this role? Well, laziness can be one of those things, no doubt. We can all be lazy, and in our roles, we can certainly be lazy as well. Go back with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Here, Paul is writing in regard to the widows who can be put in on the, the role to receive support from the local church, put into that number. And the older widows who met the qualifications that are listed herein could be put on that role. They can receive support from the local church if they meet the qualifications and are widows indeed, if you will. But in regard to the younger widows, he has this to say beginning in verse 11. But refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Now, here's the thing. Paul says, now, you need, you need not to put younger widows on that list. And he gives us the reasons why. Because if you do so, it seems that understood therein is, is if you're a widow and you're going to be put on this support list by the local church, you're pledging that you're not going to marry again. I'm going to give myself to the work of the local church and being a disciple, and I'm not going to marry again. That was the understanding with the older widows. And if the younger widows were going to be put on that list, that was supposed to be the understanding with them. But Paul says, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and when he says they grow wanton, it doesn't mean that they're going to go wanton in regard to moral decline. What he's talking about is, is they're going to become impatient. They're going to become impatient, and they're not going to be subordinate to the restrictions that are given to them in regard to the widows being on that list, and they're going to marry again. And he says, and besides, you know, they're going to, they're going to become lazy. They're just going to be idle out just gossiping and doing these things that aren't even necessary. We can see from these passages that God never wants a young woman to be lazy in any way. Especially not a married young woman. And that's why he moves into the teaching that he's giving here. Some wives are just time wasters, and I've known some. I've only had one wife, and that's the only one I desire to have. 
But I've known wives of other people who have certainly been time wasters. They haven't been time managers. Certainly not managers in the home. Spent more time watching soap operas and scrolling through social media than they did do anything. And that's exactly not what God would want when it comes to fulfilling this role. Here's something else that could be a hindrance. Like I said earlier, it could be a job outside the home. Look at verse 14 of this same chapter. Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. You see what he's saying there? That's exactly what he told Titus. When they fulfill this role, when they're homemakers or when they manage the house, they have children therein, they're living up to what God desires and then no one can speak evil of the will of God. And they're busy doing those things that God desires for them to do. However, when you have a career, that can get in the way of you being a homemaker when you need to be homemaker the most. When your children are there in the home and they need a mother in the home and they need someone to help guide them through the day-to-day -day activities in a way that she only can. You may have a job outside of the home, but it never should get in the way of you doing your God-given role. Managing the home should be your first and foremost job, according to God. Something else that can hinder the lazy husband. <laughs> we don't need any at all. If you're not doing your job as a husband and I'm not doing my job as a husband, what does my wife have to do? She has to do extra work. She's got to try to do the things that I'm supposed to be doing along with her doing the things that she needs to be doing. Proverbs 18 verse 9 says, He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. If I'm a lazy husband, I am destroying the pattern that God has put in place for the home. And I'm hindering my wife from fulfilling the role that she has been given. Let's not be deadbeats in the house. I'm talking to men, husbands. God doesn't need deadbeat husbands. God needs husbands who are active, who understand the role that their wives have, and they need to be fulfilling their role, as we'll talk about next hour, so that she can best fulfill her role to the best of her ability. Something that also hinders terribly is greed. Go back with Colossians chapter 3 with me, please. Colossians chapter 3. Paul writing and speaking here of the new man in Christ. Things that, that you had to put off, but things you have to put on. Look what he says in verse 5. He says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We live in a world that's just motivated by greed. We've got to have it all. I gotta have the greatest house, I gotta have the new cars, we gotta have the new next phone, we gotta have this, we gotta have that, and because our kids have to have the latest and the greatest things, what are we doing? We're working all this time, putting these extra things in. Everybody's gotta be working and doing this and doing that so that we can have all of our stuff. Then what's our stuff doing? It's doing nothing but distracting us from being the disciples that we need to be. And we got more worldly stuff than we do Minds of discipleship sometimes. And then what happens? When we're motivated by covetousness, covetousness becomes more important than godliness. And brethren, that's a death nail for spirituality. 
Those are all things that can hinder, for sure. What's the consequences of rejecting the role? Well, as we've already read in chapter 2 and verse 2 of Titus, consequences of rejecting the role is not being sound in the faith. Anything that God teaches us that we are to do and be as disciples, when we do that to the best of our ability, that means we're doing what we need to do to be sound in our faith. That is wholesome, healthy in our faith. We want to be wholesome and healthy with our physical bodies. We want these bodies to, to, to be able to function as best as we can so that we can do the things we want to do here. What about our faith? We want our faith to be sound and healthy too because what isn't sound is sinful. Remember that when it comes to your service before God. It needs to be sound because if it's not sound, then it's not right. It can't be. Furthermore, if you reject the role, you've got a home that's unmanaged. Titus 2 and verse 5 says that we're to be homemakers, those female disciples who have husbands and children in the home. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14, the Holy Spirit says manage the house. Well, if you're rejecting the role, then you've got a home that's unmanaged, right? And once the home becomes disorderly, guess what happens to the lives therein? They become disorderly too. You want to see a, a house break down? Let that home be unmanaged in the way that it should be. Everything begins to fall apart. You also have children that are left to raise themselves by someone else. To raise themselves or be raised by someone else. Please understand, and I'll say this again. I had to learn this too. It wasn't my parents' responsibility or my wife's parents' responsibility to raise the children that I brought into the world. It's my responsibility. I'm their parent. God says it's your responsibility to raise these children up to know me, to love me. It's your responsibility to make sure they're taught the things that they need to know. And God was telling me through the scripture, Jason, you need to do whatever you need to do to straighten yourself up to make sure that that role can be fulfilled. And someone else doesn't need to do that. I find brethren all the time, and I'm speaking of those that I know back home, who are spending thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars a year for some daycare to raise their kids. And the people in the daycare that they really don't know and really don't know what they believe are teaching their kids more things than they are teaching them because they spend more time with them during the day. I'm going to tell you, that's not what God desires of us. I think that's a breakdown in the pattern. I really do. And I think the concept is against nature itself and the will of God. Let me give you a quote from Ann Landers, and this is from the Florence Times Daily in Florence, Alabama. And this was about 30 years ago. But this is a little excerpt from her column when somebody wrote in to her. And what it is is this, this was, she's speaking in regard to someone asked a question about what we're very talking about tonight. And this reply was made. Every animal on earth takes care of its own until they are able to take care of themselves. Except us. That's a powerful little statement, isn't it? Even the animals out in the world make sure that their children are taken care of and nurtured and that they have mama there with them when they need mama there with them. But us, God's highest creation, 
We toss that off to someone else. There's something wrong with that, brother. Jason had to learn that that wasn't right. What are the blessings of accepting the role? Well, if you accept this role and you, you take the, the gauntlet upon you, if you will, and you make the sacrifices that you need to make, what can you look forward to? Well, you can know you're sound in the faith. That's a blessing, isn't it? To know when I open my Bible and I read these things found herein, and I just take these things and I say, I'm going to do the best I can, God, to just do what you want me to do. I'm going to make the sacrifices to do that. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And I can know at the end of the day, I am sound in the faith. Why? Because God's told me so. And what sound will save? You can know that if you're sound in the faith and you have saving faith, and if this world ends tomorrow, if the Lord comes again, you know what I can know? I'm going to stand before him and he'll see me right and just. Why? Because he's told me that. Sound in the faith. You also can know that you have a home that's managed and kept. That's been a blessing to me all throughout my married life with you. To know that my wife's at home and that home is managed and taken care of. And she is a great manager. Wonderful manager. God has blessed me with a wonderful, godly wife. And I love her. I've told, I've told several of you, even this weekend, that... The second best thing I ever did was marrying my wife. The first thing was obeying the gospel. But second only to obeying the gospel is marrying the woman that God has bound me to. She is a fantastic woman. I cannot do what I do without her. My family cannot function without her. She is in a role that is a fantastic, wonderful, important role. And she's doing her best to fulfill it to the best of her ability. And because she does that, I look at my home. And it may not be the richest. And it may not be the fanciest. But you know what I see? I see God all over it. And that's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. An orderly home leads to orderly lives therein. And that's a blessing too. Chaos and confusion is never a blessing. But a well-managed home with a woman therein who understands her role that God has given her, that's a blessing. And then you have your children raised in the way that God intends for them to be raised. Every dollar that I've missed, every extra time that I've spent doing something else that I had to take on to make the ends meet has been worth every single bit of it, brethren. To know that my children were being raised by their mother and not someone that I didn't know and they didn't know. Because I know that God loves that. It's been worth every bit of it. And you know what I can know? Sometimes I just walk into the living room in my house, and wife and my kids are sitting around, and I just look over the back of my couch, and I just think, wow. God has blessed me. And there is my wife. She doesn't have a worldly career. She doesn't have a highly exalted position in some company somewhere, but you know what I know? That right there she's sitting at the throne of her glory because she's fulfilling the role that God has given her. Blessed be the God of heaven when we see things like that. What a wonderful thing. And what I'm doing is, is I'm just trying to encourage you. 
I'm trying to ask us to be able to see that don't let the world and the culture therein rob us of this very important attribute of the home. Because when you start pulling the foundational blocks away from the home, you know what's going to happen to it? It's going to collapse. It's going to fall upon itself. And the reason that the home is breaking down today, the major reason is because we don't have homemakers, godly homemakers in there doing the will of God therein. And may the Lord raise up more of their time. Thank you so much. That's my time, I believe. I appreciate your good attention. Look forward to the next hour with you.